Thank you so much, guys. Can we give them a hand for leading us in worship there? I uh, love that new song. Uh, it's perfect, perfect for today. And so um, we are going to jump into Ephesians chapter 6 and talk about exactly that. Uh, the Lord being magnified in our lives, for our lives to be an altar for him, um, to bring him glory. Uh, and we're going to do that uh, by talking about what it means to be sent. It's the same thing we've been talking about for the last four weeks. We're going to continue in that uh, this week. And so why don't I start this morning first by just welcoming you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this. And if you are here and you're a guest, we're so thrilled that you are here for real. And uh, we'd love to get to know you. Um, uh, if you want to let us know that you were here, uh, we'd love to... Uh, uh, just receive one of those Connect uh, cards from you. You can fill it out on our website. You can fill it out in the bulletin there that you have in front of you. You can visit somebody at the welcome desk on your way out. Let us know that you came. Uh, we'd love to get to know you and uh, give you a little gift. It's just a token offering uh, for just uh, our gratitude uh, for you joining us for worship this morning. Also, take note of the bulletin. There's things coming up, the building memorial, uh, on and on. A lot of things um, uh, in front of us. Uh, that's at the end of August, and so we're excited about that. Submit your team. You can sign up through the website, uh, or you can sign up by just emailing myself or Brett. There's flyers out there, actually, uh, where you can uh, uh, go, and it has all the information on it for you, okay? So, uh, what we are talking about, we are in the middle of this, we're at the beginning, kind of beginning middle of this sermon series that we are kind of modeling after the FBN vision and mission statement. So, what I want to do is just share that with you once again. You're going to see this every single week while we're in this study, uh, because this is what we are trying to reboot to, Right? COVID-19 and all the stuff going on, it's uh, distracted us somewhat um, um, from feeling like we're, we're living in this. And I pray that you've still been doing it. But as a church, as an FBN ministry, right, this is our goal. This is what we exist to do, right? And so our vision for FBN is this. We exist to glorify God by developing disciples who live for God's purposes. This is our heartbeat. This is what we long to do. This is really what the church longs to do. Even the universal church is to exist, to glorify God by making disciples. This is the Great Commission. It's what we called to do in Acts chapter 8, or sorry, in Acts chapter 1 and in Matthew 28. We've been called to this. Now, the mission statement is what we uh, feel like we, we can do to accomplish that vision, right? So our mission is this. With God's help, we will accomplish this vision through teaching, worshiping, discipling, living in community, and sending, right? These five tenets of, of who we are, how we plan on accomplishing the vision that God has set before us uh, according to the Great Commission by teaching, worshiping discipling, living in community, and sending. And these are the five uh, pieces that we'll be covering in our sermon series. And we are starting at the end, right? We're starting at sending because one's not necessarily above any other. We're starting with sending. Now, what does it mean to be sent, right? Uh, it's kind of twofold. What we want to be here at FBN is a church that receives and sends people into further ministry. We love the opportunity to send missionaries, to, uh, to encourage young uh, men and women as they submit themselves to full-time ministry, vocational ministry, and so on, right? We love that, and we want to see that more and more, and we are seeing that more and more. But the second is this, and it's kind of the, the early, uh, undergirding part of it all, is that anytime you come to FBN, that you would come here and be equipped and edified to go into the world as sent ones, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, right? That you would wear him at all times. Think about any ambassador as they represent any country, right? They're not just an ambassador when they're in their office. 
They're an ambassador at all times. Every part of their lives, people are looking at them. Every part of their lives, they are representing their country. The same is true for us. Every aspect of us, whether we are here and most of the times when we are not, we are representing Jesus Christ as his ambassadors, as ones who are sent. So we want you to come here, to be filled up, to, be glorified, or to, to glorify him, to be edified as a believer, and then to go out as sent ones into the world, right, on mission for the Lord. That's the point. That's what we're talking about. So evangelism, sharing Christ, making known the gospel, it's all the same stuff, right? Go out there and let people know what Jesus has done for them. That's the point. Okay, um, and so as we get ready to talk about that more and more, I want to invite, I think Chris Mathis is our reader this morning, uh, and he's going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. We're also going to be in Ephesians 2 here in a little bit, so mark your spot in Ephesians, and if you can, would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Good morning. I'm going to read 18 through 20 in Ephesians 6. Pray at all times and in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all preservations and intersections for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we're grateful for your love for us. We're grateful for the opportunity to come, to submit ourselves to your teaching, to worship together, to become deeper disciples in you, to experience our community, and to learn today what it means to be sent out of this place into the world as your light, as your hands, as your feet, as salt to the earth, making known the gospel of Jesus Christ. Further us in this today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So I'd like to start this morning by acknowledging a few misconceptions. As we're talking about sharing Christ, talking about evangelism, there's a few misconceptions that are pretty prominent out there. Let me first remind uh, all of us of the Great Commission. This is what we are called to do. This is what Brandon preached on last week. Acts chapter 1 uh, is one piece of it. Matthew chapter 28, certainly also the Great Commission. Acts chapter 1 says this. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses, tellers of Jesus, sharers of the good news. Matthew 28 says we do this by preaching the gospel to the nations and by making disciples. That's why our vision at FBN is what it is to seek to uh, uh, develop disciples who will live for God's purposes. But there are a few misconceptions that people have about this, right? And they use these misconceptions to kind of write, uh, write off the call <laughs> to live in evangelism. The first is this, that evangelism is an exclusive calling. That's a misconception. That somehow it's reserved for the, uh, the seminary students and the apologists and the, uh, the Robbie Zacharias's who have an IQ of 200 and whatever. And we, we, we think that, well, those are the people who have been called to do this. It's the Apostle Paul-like people. Certainly not me. I don't know enough. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you said that? I don't know enough to share Christ with somebody. And so we write ourselves off as if we need to attain some great spiritual mature level to share Christ with someone. You don't need to have the Bible memorized, right? You don't need to be a seminary student. 
You don't even need to be the most gifted in this area, right? There are certainly some people who have uh, a God-given gift. If you look at the spiritual gifts in the scriptures, evangelism is certainly one of them. They they have a a greater spiritual capacity uh, to be used by God in the sharing and making known of the gospel, right? And that's remarkable. That doesn't exclude everybody else from joining into that. Because you know what else is a spiritual gift? Mercy. Right? There are some people who are especially gifted at being merciful to people. But we are all called to be merciful, aren't we? We're all called to it. And it's the same with evangelism. We're all called to it. You don't have to be some, uh, at some place of remarkable spiritual maturity to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with someone. That's the first misconception. The truth to that is that all are called. It's not exclusive. It's all-inclusive. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're called to this. And the second misconception is this, that evangelism is an event or an events-based process. All right, what I mean by that is I live all my year uh, um, just doing what I want to do, but I satisfy my evangelism quota when I go on uh, my mission trip this summer. That's my evangelism. The rest of my life is mine, right? It's as if evangelism is, is limited to this event, this mission trip, this community service project, whatever it is. And we treat it like it's a, a separate compartment from the rest of our lives, but it's not, right? So the truth to, to this misconception, rather, is that evangelism is a lifestyle, It's a lifestyle. It's what we've been called to do as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. It is to penetrate all realms of our living. And so if we're going to live this way, then it's going to take more than just a to-do list. It's going to take more than just a prayer list. It's going to take a total change of our hearts to be burdened for the lost. Because it's a lifestyle. It's an identity. And that's the point. Living as sent ones in this world is not rooted in maturity. And it's not rooted in eventuality, though both of these things are good. It is rooted in identity. It is who we are. And we cannot live with gospel intentionality if we don't understand our gospel identity. Gospel identity. All right, so let me have an identity check this morning. Let me ask you a question. It's probably one of the most introspective questions one would ask, and there's a lot of people who are struggling with this all the time, and it's just simply the question, who are you? Who are you? When was the last time you thought about that? Some of you probably wake up every morning, who am I? You look in the mirror just perplexed at what you're seeing, right? Who are you? And my guess is if you're like me, your, your first inclination might be to appeal to your, uh, to your relationships, your vocations, or your passions, right? Remember those three words. We're going to say them a lot today. Relationships, vocations, and passions. Relationships, vocations, and passions. What I mean by this is as I look in the mirror and I think, who am I? I think about my relationships. I think about myself as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a friend. And these define me, Right? Vocation, I think about what God has called me to do, what, he's, what he has equipped me to do, the, 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 the way of my life that he has ordained for me as a pastor. It's what I do to contribute to society. It's what I do to supply for my family. It's what I do because God has brought me here. What's your vocation? Are you a laborer? Are you a, an accountant, a medical professional? What is it? Your vocation. And then your passions. What's the stuff you do outside of all of that? You love watching your kids play sports? Do you, you like to play sports yourself? Are you a, a movie fanatic? Are you, uh, you know, you love just social gatherings and 
whatever, I mean, what, what, is, what are your passions? What are the things that you are very, very passionate about, maybe even gifted at, talented at? Well, that's who I am, right? I'm Adam. I'm father, son, husband, pastor, and I love to eat. I love basketball. I love golf, right? That's what we're talking about. And we might be inclined to just say, well, that's me. This is who I am. But we all know the reason you're here today is because somewhere down deep, you know that there's more to you than that, don't you? You know there's more. But my guess is when we live distracted, when we live busy, then that's all we become. We're defined by those things, right? And I wonder how many of us are living outside of what God has defined us to be in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you're like me and you need a reality check, a, a who are you check, an identity check every once in a while, join me in Ephesians 2 and let's do it together. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. This is who you are. If you are here and you are in Christ Jesus, this is who you are. If you are here and you've never given yourself to Christ Jesus, you'll see yourself in the story as well. But listen, this is who you are. This is your identity. Chapter 2, verse 1, Ephesians. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Please understand, we were all this way, some of us still bound by the nature of our flesh, bound to the prince of this air who is the enemy of darkness, bound to only do what we feel like doing with nothing more until God inserted himself into the story. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immense, uh, he might uh, display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Through his kindness to us, he wants to display the immeasurable riches of his grace to this world. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is of God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? You were dead. You were bound by the prince of this air. You were bound by your own sin. You were bound to hell. But God, rich in mercy inserted himself into your story in some way, somehow, brought you to himself, redeemed you, saved you, and now has crafted something in you. He is continually working his workmanship on you for good works that he planned ahead of time for you to do. Good works. This is what you are called to do. What are those good works? Well, I'm going to put it as simply for you as I possibly can. What are those good works that we are identified in according to Ephesians 2? The first is this, to bring glory to God through our lives. God be magnified in me. That's one, right? Uh, Psalm 96 verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all the peoples. Bring glory to God in our lives. And the second is this, to share the gospel so that others can do the same. To share the gospel so that others can do the same. Mark chapter 16 verse 15. Jesus said simply go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
He didn't just say it at the Great Commission. He said it all throughout. This is our good work to share Jesus Christ so that others can bring God glory just as we are bringing God glory in all of the realms of our life. This is who we are. It is not a matter of maturity. It's not a matter of eventuality. This is everything about us. But when we get busy, when we get distracted, we live in this tier of just passions, vocations, and relationships. And we, we let these things become uh, the recipient of our worship. And they become idols and we become distracted from the very fact that those very things about us that we typically define ourselves by, those are the very things that God wants to use in our lives to make his glory known, to make known his gospel. Those are the very things. So what makes the difference? We're talking about our vocations and our passions and our relationships. What makes this, this catastrophic, wonderful difference between those things becoming the worship of our lives and these idols that distract us and consume us from sharing the glory of God with other people and living in that versus these mighty tools that God has given us, these platforms that God has equipped us with to make his glory known and to make his gospel known. What's the difference? It's a word, and it's a word I want to share with you, and it's a word we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, intentionality. Intentionality, gospel intentionality. That's it. That's the difference. And that's what brings us to Ephesians chapter 6. So if you want to go there, Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, um, just a little quick little context, Ephesians chapter 6, many of you know it, if you've grown up in church, you know the passage about the spiritual armor, you know what I mean? Uh, he goes on to talk about uh, just uh, our battles not against flesh and blood, it's against the powers and authorities of this world, right? Uh, and so we are to be suited up. To, to make war, and we do this by wearing the belt of truth and the chest plate of righteousness and the sandals of readiness and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. But listen, that's all good. There's a lot of people who look decked out in their spiritual armor. They look good, but listen, that's not it. That is not the end of it. Our battle does not end by just getting suited up. Right? Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 18, says this. Pray at all times in the Spirit and with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Make known the mystery of the gospel. You realize so many people in our lives, it's a mystery to them what we're doing here. It's a mystery to them who Jesus is, why he died, who he died for. It's a mystery. Paul, the mystery has been revealed to him, and he says, we need to go and make it known. Pray for me as I go and make it known, as I reveal the mystery to people and make it known to people, right? We have the truth, and we need to make it known to the people who do not know it. Now, here's an important piece, okay? Sadly, many of our English translations, if you have a, um, like I'm using the CSB, and it's all just one continual thought, you can tell, right? But some of you might have Bibles where between verses 17 and 18, there is a paragraph break, even a, a subtitle break, 
right? But you need to know that in the Greek, there's not even a sentence break between verses 17 and 18. It is one continual thought without even a period in between. And what that means is this, our battle against the enemy should rightfully lead to the prayerfully, uh, to the prayerful emboldening of believers to make known the gospel. This is why we get suited up. In fact, if you want to cast the greatest blow against the enemy, then you will do verses 18 and 20 following, right? This, this suiting up. This is what it means, right? Uh, God doesn't need a bunch of Christians who are high and impressed with their own armor, right? You have the biggest belt of truth of it all. You're walking around with a WWE you know, championship belt of truth, just showing it off. But you're not ever getting into verses 18 through 20. You're never praying intentionally for the lost. What good is it if it's all just for self-glorification? Christ doesn't need that. He needs us to suit up so we can make him known. And I want you to notice how these verses are oozing with Paul's intentionality for reaching the lost and being used for that person. I mean, he's just pouring out of him. Listen to him. Pray, uh, verse 19, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. This is intentionality. This is his whole heartbeat. This is why he's requesting this prayer is because he has a, such a burden for the lost. And listen, we cannot live as those who have been sent if we are not mindful of making known the gospel. It has got to be something we are thinking about, praying about, intentional about. It's an intentional process. And listen, it starts here. It starts here. It starts with your personal walk with Jesus. And so I think last week Brandon gave you kind of the three Ps, right, uh, to pray and pursue and proclaim. Well, today I'm going to give you the four Gs, okay? Just make it as easy as possible to remember it. But if you open yourself to it, I pray the Lord will, will deeply use it for you. So if you want to live with gospel intentionality, the first thing that we've got to do is to get more. Get more. Okay? And what I mean by this is spiritual trajectory, spiritual flow, being caught in the flow of knowing more and more and more of Jesus Christ. Just so you know, this is application point number one forever in all of our sermons always. Right? This is always going to be application point number one, get more of Jesus. Right? Because if you're not trying to be in that flow of getting more and more of Jesus, then how would you expect him to cultivate any conviction as a result of any message or anything else? Be in the flow of getting more and more of Jesus Christ. Right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it uses the word hunger. Jesus uses the word hunger. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled We've got to be hungry for knowing Jesus through the platforms that he's given us to know him, through prayer and through, through his word and through our gatherings together and through worshiping him and through submitting ourselves and our character to him so he can do some real internal work to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. We've got to be in that trajectory, in that flow, right? And Paul writes out of Ephesians Six, this, this burden for the lost, and it's not because he's just like, he, he's careless, it's because he has this vibrant relationship with the Lord, and, and it's articulated uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, when he says, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is that an incredible value to you, to know Jesus Christ, your Lord, more and more? Certainly maturity will be the outflow of this, no doubt. But you don't need to reach some maturity level, you know, to be uh, finally equipped to share uh, Jesus Christ with others. Just be in the flow of knowing Jesus more and more. That is where it begins.
Adrian Rogers has this awesome quote about uh, spiritual hunger is really no different than um, um, just your normal hunger, right? Your physical hunger. He says, if you aren't hungry, then you're either sick, dead, or full of something else. It's true, isn't it? You're not hungry for food if you're sick. You're not hungry for food if you're dead, obviously. You're certainly not hungry for food if you're already full. I think that's the case for a lot of people. Right? We say we love Christ, and we, we say we want to know more and more of Christ, but we still give ourselves to just being filled up with everything else that can't really be defined by knowing Christ. Right? So part of, of getting more is, is opening ourselves up for him to actually fill some part of us. And that kind of brings us to the next one. Number two is this. It's to get open. Get open. This is a matter of spiritual capacity. Prayerfulness. Willingness. A burn for the lost. Simply, it's the question this, do you care? Do you care at all that the Lord might use you to bring him glory and to share him with other people so they might bring him glory as well? All right, Ephesians 6, you read Paul's words and you understand he deeply cares. He's burdened for the lost. This is something that the Lord has, has borne in him. Through, through his process of getting more and more of Jesus, Jesus has unraveled this thing in his heart that set him on a course to share the love of Jesus Christ to everyone who crossed his path. Listen, we have the same call, right? But are we open? Brandon talked about this last week. He talked about Jonah, right? And what a contrast it is between Paul's burden for the loss in Ephesians 6 and, and Jonah last week. Uh, Brett, or Brandon talked about Jonah and, and how Jonah... Um, you know, he, he, he tried to avoid the call from God on his life until he went the other way, but God forced his hand with a giant fish, right? And, and so he went to Nineveh, and he preached the message of, of hope, and, and, and God spared the people. He spared Nineveh of, of the destruction that was coming, right? And in Jonah chapter 4, we read about Jonah's response to this. Jonah chapter 4 says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious, what? Displeased and furious that God saved a city, a city that Jonah in his mind had written off and thought God should too. Sinful people being saved undeservingly by a gracious God, right? Jonah didn't want to go and God made him. And even after Jonah went and shared the message, he was bitter about it. And if you read through Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, Jonah gets suicidal. He says, if this is how you're going to be God, I don't even want to be here anymore. Take me off the planet. Right? What a stubborn stubborn way, right? People love God's grace for themselves, but they often have a hard time sharing it with others who they feel don't deserve it. And we look on social issues like going on today, things that we've gone through, and we spend hours huffing and puffing and posting instead of ever asking the one question that the Lord probably wants us to ask, which is this, how might God make me a light in this darkness? How might he send me to be a dispenser of his grace and hope in this time of chaos. When will we start proactively praying that we would be burdened for the lost rather than annoyed and inconvenienced by them as if they're going to respond any other way? This is what we've been called to do, to be burdened uh, enough to say to the Lord, like Isaiah said to the Lord, right? Send me. I'm open. And listen, I'm going to preach today, and I'm going to walk out of this room with a clear conscience, because ultimately this is between you and the Lord. I can't create this conviction in your life. I can't make you care. I certainly am not trying to guilt you to care, because that will last about two weeks, and then it will fizzle off. But if one person today 
If one person today is inspired by the Lord to step into this place of gospel intention, that will bear more fruit than, than 70 people who were guilted into doing it for a few weeks. And I pray that the Lord does that in your life and heart this morning. Thirdly is this. It's to get close. Right? Get close. And this is a matter of accessibility. Not so much do I know unbelievers because we all do. It's more this, will I intentionally make my life accessible to them so that we can create a life connection in hopes of making a faith connection? Making life connections to make faith connections. Do you understand what that means? It means your relationships, your vocations, and your passions, that these are all mission fields that God has sent you in. They are God-given. Your families, your jobs, your sports leagues and classrooms and social gatherings, they're all mission fields. They're all mission fields that God has given to you to make life connections so that you might make faith connections. But listen, you've got to be open and you've got to be accessible. It's got to be something that you care about and it's got to be something that you've, you've made available, right? What if every part of soccer season was registration, buying cleats and shin guards, uh, getting on the snack schedule, getting on the mowing schedule, and intentionally praying for another family on the team that through the course of the season that you might have the opportunity to share the love uh, and grace of Jesus Christ with that person or that family? What if that was just a normal part of your soccer season? What if every week... Uh, at, the, at the start of classes, you notice that you have, uh, you know, there's a few students who are in two or three of your classes, so you, you write their names down in your syllabus, and you say, I'm going to get all my homework done, I'm going to do everything I need to do, and I'm also going to prayerfully and intentionally try to make life connections with this person in the hopes that they might know the hope and, and grace of Jesus Christ through my life by the end of the term or by the end of the quarter or whatever. What if we did the same thing with our neighbors? What if we did the same thing with our coworkers? What if sharing the gospel and, and making ourselves accessible to other people was just a regular part of how we did things? This would change our community. This would change so much. And my guess is, if you're like me, you're, some of you are probably sitting there just like, dang, Adam, what a buzzkill. Can I just watch my kid play soccer without worrying about sharing Christ with somebody? I hope you realize how silly that statement is as, it, as you say it. That might be what you're feeling. You haven't said it yet. You should say it to yourself and see how it feels after that. Can I just go to a game without caring about this stuff for once? Right? My sinful part says, why don't you do it for once and then I'll lay off. <laughs> right? But the more gracious part of me, it's still not that gracious. There's two things I would say to that buzzkill mentality. The first is this, watch yourself, because usually those are things people say when their vocations and relationships and passions have become little gods in their lives that they've started to worship. Watch yourself. And the second is this, have you ever had the thrill and exhilaration of being a part of the spiritual growth in a person's life and God used you for that? Because if you had, then you would be overjoyed to be seeking after that high again. There is nothing more rewarding, more exhilarating, more thrilling than to see somebody grow in their faith with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it happens every time, and I'm not saying that it doesn't take some grime to get there sometimes, but when you have that experience, you'll be chasing it. Don't let your families and your vocations and your passions be marked by idolatry. Let them be marked by intentionality. And listen, as your church this morning, we want to help you with this, and if I could be candidly honest, and please hear me, uh, because next week Brett's, Brett's going to bring a message, and it's going to be a specific address to FBN regarding this issue. 
If we can be candidly honest in our prayerfulness and in our seeking the Lord in this issue, we realize with how we've, that, that FBN's operations and expectations on people have not always been conducive to this kind of living. That very much so, our experience at FBN can be even a distraction for you to come here to be equipped and then to go out. I mean, think about it. How could we invite you here and tell you to go be sent, but at the same time we're expecting you to come back here every single week for men's gatherings and women's gatherings and ladies' Bible studies and to do nursery every single time we're open? How can we call you to be sent and to go if we're telling you constantly to come here and do stuff? Right? And so, Brett's going to bring an address to us. And don't be surprised if there's some dramatic changes. And some of you who are burning at both ends and experiencing that burnout, you're going to be grateful. Others of you who just like to receive the opportunities as they come, you might be a little disappointed because some of those opportunities may never come back. But if that's the cost that it's going to take to extend the grace and hope of Jesus Christ to our surrounding community, then we're going to do it. And we hope that you'll be burdened for the lost because that's where this comes from. That makes sense? Be here next week. Tune in next week uh, because that's where we're going to be going. The fourth and last is this. It's to go there. Go there. Use your words. Trust God to give them to you. That was Paul's prayer here. Right? Pray that God would give me the message and pray that I would be bold enough to speak it. And I'm telling you, at some point in time, we just got to speak it. We've got to say it. Right? Whether it's somebody that you just met and the Spirit tells you that you need, to, you need to share a message with them or it's somebody that you've been trying to have a life connection with for years and years. After all, we live in a culture of distrust and insecurity and anxiety. And so for many people, it's going to take you uh, a lot of work to build that life connection so you might have that faith connection. But in each and every case, we trust the Lord to supply the message and we pray for boldness to share it. All right? And I have a feeling many Christians, oftentimes, we, 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 we try to live in success and put togetherness, kindness, right? And we just assume, well, you know, the world will see my life, and they'll see the kindness, and they'll see how I am with my family. They'll see that I'm a good dad and all that kind of stuff, and they'll automatically come to the conclusion that they're a sinner themselves, that Jesus died for the sins, that they need to believe in Jesus Christ, and from there, they'll have the hope of glory. They'll be able to look at my kindness and come to that conclusion. No. It never works out that way. Maybe, maybe sometimes, but it takes a miracle from God to get there. Usually somebody's got to come in and close the deal by simply articulating the truths of the gospel and sharing how the gospel has impacted their life as a result. That's how it happens. And we've got to be ready to articulate that, to share that. We've got to be ready to do it. We've got to be willing to go there. Now listen, I know it's not easy. Okay, and it's about this time in any of these sermons that I would start talking about the cost that comes with this. And normally what I do is I diminish the cost. You know, I say stuff like, well, God's called you to do it. Who cares what people think of, think of you? Just do it, right? And that works for an individualistic person like me who already doesn't care what anybody thinks about me, right? But it doesn't work for most of the world. And my heart softened on this a little uh, a few days ago, I was listening to a message by apologist uh, Abdu Murray, who worked with Ravi Zacharias, and he told this story of a young uh, Middle Eastern Muslim man who was convinced of Christianity. Belief wasn't his issue, right? He was convinced of it, and yet he would still try to defend his Muslim background with every intellectual uh, um, argument he could make 
And eventually, all of the intellectual arguments, they, they had been crossed. They had been uh, outdone by, by, you know, the Christian apologist. And, and yet this man was still resistant. And Murray, just knowing what was going on, said, you know, this isn't a matter of that. This is just, a, there's something else going on. And so he said, tell me about your family. And immediately the man, just tears pouring down his face. And he said, you know, my whole life, I've never heard my father tell me that he was proud of me. And if I become a Christian, he never will. He never will. That's cost. That's real cost. And it cost this man. He did give his life to Christ. But listen, he bore the shame of his whole family. He now lives in dishonor to his whole community. But for him, it was worth the cost. And listen, that's the question for us this morning. Is it worth the cost? Because I would go ahead and guess, for many in this room, you too are on the brink of a decision. And shame is the primary hurdle. Shame is your primary hurdle. You're just very, very scared about what people will think of you if you give your life to Christ or if you share the gospel of Christ, right? So my guess is there's three people in this room this morning. First of all, the first group, you've heard a million of these sermons. You're not interested. You already wrote me off a while ago, and I hope that the Lord breaks your heart about this. But for everybody else, right, who is in that brink of decision, there's a group of you that likely you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've gone through uh, uh, the church commotion, the church activity, the church culture, and you've been swept up in that, but you realize, Ephesians 2, like, that's the first time I heard that. I'm a sinner. I was deserving of death, but God, like, you're on that place, you're in that place of decision where you realize you need to give your life overtly and vocally to the Lord and make him Lord of your life. But there will be some cost. There's going to be some cost. People are going to think different about you. People are going to call you a hypocrite. People are going to struggle with your new way of living. But listen, is it worth the cost? Are you willing to trade that shame and dishonor that might come from people for the fullest forms of, of grace and hope and, and honor that come from Jesus Christ, knowing that he bore that shame on the cross for you already? You might have to deal with some remarks and from some skepticism from people but you'll be free. You'll be free, and your church will be here to help you deal with all the external stuff. My guess is the most of you are in the same spot I'm in, where this is intimidating. It's tough to submit our lives to something like this, and yet he's called us to it. We're on the brink of the decision, and so you're here, and God is calling you to make the decision to live intentionally uh, with your relationships, with your vocations, with your passions, to use these intentionally in gospel intentionality so your life might glorify God and help others do the same. Will it be worth the cost to you? Because, listen, your friends, your family, you will bear some shame. Your coworkers, they're going to ask you questions. Is the salvation of the Lord worth it to you to not only believe but to surrender your life to it and to bear it proudly? <laughs> Because he bore it all on the cross. Listen, okay, if you're here, I can't make these decisions for you. You have a world of people here that would love to support you in it, but we can't create this conviction. So my prayer for you is that you would humbly submit yourself to the Lord. Submit yourself to pray before him. And I, my prayer for you is that we would all come out of this room today resolved, uh, similar to how Paul was resolved in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to, uh, to claim it, and I'm not ashamed to share it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I pray this is your resolve this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we're so grateful 
for your love, your care, your kindness, your goodness. But God, of all the kinds of people that are here this morning, God, many of us are on the brink of a decision where we realize we've been shrugging on this, that we have not tightly connected the sense nature that you've put on us um, to our just identity of just being yours, to being, uh, having a, a gospel and uh, identity, God, that you have bought us with a great price. And now we are, if we claim you and if we believe in you as our Lord and Savior, then we are ambassadors, whether we like it or not, and we need to be good ones to bring you glory and to help others do the same by sharing the love of Jesus Christ with them. Would you do this, God? Would you be magnified in our living? Would you be magnified in our, our, our attempts to bring you glory in all that we do? And would you um, deeply supply all we need to share the love and grace of Christ with people in our midst? Would you give us a gospel intentionality that is not hindered by shame this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few things on the screen for you to consider for a few minutes as you have uh, your own personal time of reflection. It's basically this. What decision are you on the brink of today and what's getting in the way? And pray against those things, whether that be shame, whether that be fear, uh, whether that be discomfort, whether that be disbelief, whatever it is, give those things to the Lord today and let him break that shame for you. And it's not going to be an easy decision. It hardly ever is. But listen, it is always right when you make a decision to bring God glory and to share his glory with other people. So have this time. This is yours.